Gerda Wasman's story began on September 3, 1939, when she was just 15 years old. This day, she says, was the beginning of a tragedy that lasted for six years. She was living in Belitz, Poland, the town of her birth, and she react with horror as she watched her neighbors greet the invading Nazis with joy. Soon after, sanctions started being imposed on the Jews of which her family were, and, it, and Jewish men were being abducted by the Nazis. In October, Gerda's brother Arthur is forced to leave a Nazi transport with all the other young men in the town. Before the march began, however, all the men were lined up just outside the town, and every tenth one was shot. Gerda would never see her brother again, and the situation in her hometown becomes more and more dire for the Jews as the Aryan neighbors took advantage of the situation. The Weissmans, her family, was forced down into the basement as Jews were no longer allowed to live on the, the floor above ground. Instead, they had to sell their belongings just so they could get by. They were all forced to wear armbands, which were yellow, had a black star of David on it, and had the word Jew written across. As a result... They were not allowed to work. They were put on limited rations, most of the times limited to as little as 300 calories a day to survive. They sold what they could to people who would buy, but most of their neighbors were also taking advantage of that situation as well. She shared one story of a neighbor that they had grown up with was in their house as she was trying to sell anything they could just to have food. She was trying to sell a set of dishware that was a priceless heirloom to the family, but it would allow them to survive if she could get enough money for it. Her neighbor picked up one of the pieces of the china, looked at it, and dropped it on the ground. As it smashed to pieces, he looked at her and said, I would really like this set, but being that it's not complete, it's just not worth that much. He threw a crumpled up bill on the ground and took the remaining set with them. Not long after that, they were to be forced into a Jewish ghetto there. Her 18th birthday, she was surprised by receiving a parent, uh, an, an orange from her parents. They wanted her to eat it all, but she wanted to share a slice of it with each of them. Two months later, they would be forced out of the ghetto. Her mom and dad would be put in a different line, a line not for young, able-bodied people who could work for the Nazi force, but instead, they would be taken to a camp. It would be only later, years later, that she would learn that they ended up in Auschwitz but for a very short time. Meanwhile, Gerda and her childhood friend Elsie 
were then transported to a labor camp that specialized in weavings in which they are forced to work for the German war effort. As the war progresses and Germany begins to falter, the situation at the camp becomes worse and worse. In January 1945, they find out that Germany is being invaded by the Allies. The camp is, has to be left, and the women there begin a march. But after only a few days, girls begin to die of starvation and cold. Over the course of the month-long march, most of the women were either starved, shot, or froze to death. Towards the end of the march, Elsie finally collapsed and died of starvation. That was just three days before they would reach their final destination. Of the 4,000 women who began that march, which lasted 150 miles through snow with little clothing and even less food, only 120 survived. In the end, Gerda lost her house, her parents, her brother, her best friend, her boyfriend, and her entire neighborhood. On her 21st birthday, Poland was liberated. And the only thing that she had was two pictures of her family that she had kept hidden in her shoes the entire time. Throughout those horrible six years, she was told over and over again just to be strong. She was forced to hold on to her faith when everything else was taken away. She found beauty in small things. She chose to be happy for the good things she could see in life. She prayed for faith and she never gave up on hope. She believed. She knew that she would survive. And she imagined a world without war. And she spoke often of a life not consumed with death and grief. Her strength was not just in her thoughts and the beliefs that she held in her mind and in her heart, but her willingness to express them, to share them, and to regularly verbalize them when she could. When all but her life was taken, she still believed. This is a, a short summary of a book I just uh, completed that was recommended by uh, someone here uh, in which uh, the title is All But My Life. And this is the story of Gerda Weissman and her struggle with being torn away from everything that she loved and held dear. As most of you know, I'm a big fan of World War II history. It's just something I love. I love the Pacific because it reminds me of victory that was won over evil. But I also love to read about the Holocaust because it speaks of faithfulness 
and determination even when everything else is gone. And I wonder, where would I be if I began to lose the things that meant so much to me? If our country were invaded, if cancer came knocking, if the phone rang, what would happen next? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. As we start off a new year, I want us to go back to the very, very basics. Before we talk about all the things that we want or all the things that we look forward to, I want us to spend some time this morning and I want us to talk about these statements of faith that buoy us when all of life is stripped away. When the car breaks down and when the market crashes. When the cowboys lose, when the dress doesn't fit anymore. When death comes, when healing doesn't. When the phone rings, the door knocks, and the bell tolls. When our securities are no longer secure. When the baby is never delivered safely, but the divorce papers are. When fear creeps in, when hope fades, and when our faith is in question. What really is left? What I want to do now for the next few minutes is I want us to, to be reminded of what we can believe because what the Bible says. The promises that are not tied to situations, to bank accounts, to marital status, to cancer reports, what do we have when all of these terrible things happen? Or maybe what do we have when everything else just seems so good? What do we really believe? And so I've come up with a list of statements of faith that I want to ask you to join with me as we look at these. All throughout the Bible, we are given promises of hope, Stories of a God who is faithful and challenges for us to never lose hope. I want to read this first one. I am not transformed to this, I am not conformed to this world, but I am transformed as I renew my mind to God's Word. I experience the good and accept and and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you believe that, I want you to say, I believe. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Okay, I just want to make sure. This is. I want you to say, I believe. If you don't believe, don't say it. But if you say it, I really want you to mean this. Whether in hardship or in famine, I can do all things through Christ 
who gives me strength. The Holy Spirit comes to my aid and bears me up in my weakness when I do not know how to pray as I ought. He intercedes on my behalf according to the will of God. I have faith in God. I will not fear. God has bestowed His grace upon me. By His grace... I am what I am. I forgive those who I have anything against so that my prayers are not hindered. Jesus shed His blood for the remission of my sins and now they no longer exist. Jesus came and destroyed the power of death and the works of the devil in my life. He has delivered me from the bondage of fear. I present my body to God as a living sacrifice. I will live a holy life acceptable unto Him, which is my reasonable service. Jesus is the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of the Living God. I am in constant prayer. I have the Holy Spirit in me, therefore I have power. I suffer in the flesh rather than fail to please God. I do not let my heart be troubled because I trust and abide in Jesus. As I receive communion, I put myself in remembrance of what Jesus did for me through His death on the cross. I am obedient to the commandment of Jesus. I love others as He has loved me. I give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love and His mercy endures forever. God is love. As I dwell and continue in God, He dwells and continues in me. I resist the devil steadfastly. He will not devour me, because greater is He that is in me than he that is living in the world. I am in Christ Jesus. I do not walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Therefore, I am free of condemnation. God is holy. Therefore, I am also holy in my conduct and manner of living. The day of the Lord is coming soon. He will show wonders. You can believe that. We, we can just preempt that, can't we? He will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, I prepare myself for that great and notable day. Amen. 
without faith, it is impossible to please God. Therefore, I am determined to live by faith so that I will always please Him. I do not fear, for God is my shield and my exceeding great reward. Because of the blood of Jesus, God forgives my sins and cleanses me from all unrighteousness. I endure hard times as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I stand firm for God, for He has given me the victory. Jesus is not ashamed of me. Therefore, I am not ashamed of Him. I walk by faith and not by sight. I allow God to move in my life by faith. I determine to walk in love and to forgive others even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven me. Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sickness. By His stripes I am healed. I fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight because Jesus has already won it for me. God has delivered me out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred me into the kingdom of the Son of His love. God's Word is forever settled in heaven. It will never change. I will be ready when Jesus comes. Therefore, I set my affection on things above, not on things of this earth. I open my mouth boldly and make known the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, because of Your Word, I am an overcomer. I overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. I trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not unto my own understanding. I am determined to know Jesus and the power of His resurrection. I let the peace of God rule in my heart, and I refuse to worry about anything. God loves me so much that He gave His only Son for me. I believe in Jesus. Therefore, I will not perish. I have everlasting life. Do you? Forty different times you made a statement of faith. Faith in God, in the sacrifice of His Son Jesus, in the forgiveness that He offers, in dedicating your life to following Him. We don't follow teams. We don't follow flags. We don't follow governments. We don't follow bosses. 
we don't follow our own desire, first and foremost, we choose to follow Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm still pretty enamored by the fact that we're in the year 2020. When I was a kid, most of the movies didn't even make it that far. I certainly didn't think I would make it to 2020. I thought it was crazy when Back to the Future talked about going to the year 2015. I couldn't wait till we got to that year. I wanted my own flying skateboard. It never came. I have faith in this great country. But my faith is not in borders. It's not in people. It's not in guns or tanks. My securities have nothing to do with securities that we invest in. We're in a world where we are pretty much insulated. We buy insurance for everything. If something bad happens, someone will come along and fix it. But what happens when there's no one there to fix our brokenness? What do we believe? For Gerda, and for those who survived the tragedies of the Holocaust, and for the six million people who didn't, what really mattered the most? when soldiers went off to war, when civilians lost their lives, when homes and babies were stripped away, what was most important? But I don't, I don't want us to go there and say what would happen then. I want you to build this year on what you believe right now. That Jesus is the Son of God and there is absolutely nothing, there is absolutely nothing that will take away from the sovereignty and power of the Almighty God. It does not matter what happens in elections in the coming year. It does not matter what happens to football teams. It doesn't matter what happens whether you get the promotion or you get fired. God's promise is good and His love is never ending and His hope never fails. As you think about 2020 and think about where am I going to be and what's going on in my life, I want you to think about this. Think about that God is good and that doesn't change. And no matter what's going to happen to you this week, God will still be good. And His promises will still be there for you. He loves you. He died for you. He promised that He would come back for you. And that's what I believe that God is going to do for all of us. He would do it 
in 2020 or 2050 or whenever He comes back, I know He's going to return and I can't wait for that day. And with all the craziness that this world offers, stand and believe that God is bigger than what you'll ever see or touch or taste ever. That's what we have to believe in. We don't have to walk away talking about how many years we have left in our life or how much money we have in our bank account or if our insurance or retirement will carry us through or if the cancer is going to come back. What we know at the end of the day is that God is faithful. I believe. And I know you do too. And that's why I'm glad to be surrounded by people who love the Lord and who believe His promises in the midst of a really tough time for lots of people in here. And part of me wants to say we've buried too many people. But another part of me says we have helped usher people into the life that was promised to them from the beginning. And it's the one that I can't wait to be a part of you. Just believe. You're going to have another opportunity to give your statement of faith as we have an invitation song in just a moment. Lynn is going to lead us in a song that we've sung several times before, but it's one that talks about what we really believe at the core. And if you've struggled to believe that, or you want to recommit your life to Christ, or you say, I want to start out 2020, and I want to be baptized and bury my old self and rise again, then we want to be a part of that. We want to witness that, and we want to celebrate with the angels as you make that decision. Stand today in belief that God is good, and His love never fails. Let's stand and sing the song of invitation.